This is an ABC podcast. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. Happy 200th. Oh, God, today's 200, isn't it? <laughs> 200 what a ride it's days. been. 200 days. Melbourne's Two- been in some form of lockdown since the beginning of the pandemic. What an innings. Great innings. Well done. Well done. You made it through 200, 200 <laughs> days. We all made it. So, yeah. And look, sending our love to the entire country pretty much, except for WA, you lucky buggers. <laughs> for uh, getting through the latest round of lockdowns as we continue and motor on. And and I've got to say, one of the highlights of my week has got to be doing Bang On because, you know, it gives me a bit of structure Mm. each week. Having something like this to look forward to has made a difference, I've got to say. Um, P.S. That was my dog sneezing in the background because she's right behind me on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Always making it about yourself, aren't you, Viv? Hey, that's my nail file. No. (laughs) No. Can't have that. Sorry. Oh, She's God, I saw up. a trip to the vet on the horizon there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she loves everything she can possibly chew, nail files included. Um, yeah, so what's been getting you through, Zan? I mean, I, I think a lot of people are kind of, I, I feel like I'm struggling a bit in that it just feels like there's no end to this, even though I know that there will be. So I'm looking for stuff to kind of help me through a little bit to give me that extra lift I need to get through this next bit. And so I'm happy for any kind of suggestions of what, you, what you're doing to get through. What, what have you been doing? Well, yeah, can I just acknowledge, we're not going to talk in depth about this sort of stuff because, you know, you can find it in other places and it is sometimes, some weeks it's hard to find light stuff to talk about and bang on. We've, we've struggled with that before. And this week was hard. This week was really hard, not just with COVID, but what happened at the start of the week and continues to happen in Afghanistan is really intense. So we we want you to take care of yourself while also thinking about all the things that you should and um, being aware and supporting those who need it. But there's that old sort of saying of, you know, (laughs) I hate to quote RuPaul, but how are you going to love somebody else if you can't love yourself first? You know, you've got to take care of yourself to, to bring your best version of yourself into the, the world and the strongest version of yourself. Absolutely. And I know that we've talked a lot about little things to do, but it's always worth reminding people that I know it sounds so obvious, but just getting off your phone and getting out for a walk, it really does make a massive difference to your day and particularly starting your day with a walk, like Mm. actually getting up and having some sort of shape and just getting out there, feeling the wind on your face if it's a good day, feeling the sun on your skin, hearing the birds. Right now it's just so beautiful because spring is happening all over the country and Mm. I know where we are in Melbourne, I'm just seeing so many flowers I haven't seen before. It's wattle season. I'm heavily into wattle season and it's just a beautiful way to connect to the larger world around you and also take yourself out of that burrowing rabbit hole of doom scrolling. If you can leave your phone at home, even better. Um, but that's something that I've been doing every day, just getting out and about and starting my day that way. And I notice every time I do it, my whole day changes. Being in nature permeates your body. How you walk, how you breathe. If you are in isolation or you're not near a big natural space for whatever reason, I happened to stumble upon a great show 
on ABC TV, which just kicked off. It's on its second week. It's called Back to Nature, and it's the actor Aaron Peterson and a writer, Holly Ringland, going to these incredible Australian landscapes every week, very close to cities and towns, you know, places that you can get to um, in usual times, mm. and that just reminds you of that that healing power of nature, you know, and how connected we are to the land. And it looks amazing. It really reminded me of slow TV. Remember when we were talking about slow TV and the meditative aspect of that, of just sitting in a space Mm. and following people. It's The photography in it is incredible. The tone of it is just perfect. And it's it's forest bathing, but through your television. So if you Mm. can't get to those places right now, then that is an awesome one. It's on iView at the moment, two episodes down, back to nature. I've been loving that. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. What have you been doing? I've been doing the absolute opposite of all of that. Haven't been getting up and going for a walk. (laughs) Haven't been... Haven't been, I mean, I get out there eventually, but I have been, <laughs> it's given me another bit of purpose. I've been scrolling through reels on, on Instagram and forwarding my favourite things and I can't tell you how much joy this has given me and a million other people. I'm doing this as a service um, for everybody because. I'm here for this service. I actually love this. I love seeing you sharing reels. I don't, I'm not on TikTok and I don't dive into reels, but you share the best of the best and I'm always laughing my ass off. Yeah. Whenever and, I click into your Instagram story, and look, I've also waded into a lot of shit. I've found that the the some of the stuff <laughs> on on TikTok and and on Reels is oof, it's pretty questionable. Um, there's a lot of lot of anti-vax gear going on. There's a lot of lot of lot of stuff that's not great. So what I'm doing is just wading through the not great stuff because I'm kind of interested anyway in that stuff because from a from a you know, from a humanist position, I don't mind wading through the shit because I've been doing it for years with reality TV and whatnot. Um, so to, uh, You're I'm the just plumber taking, of our times. Yeah, I'm just taking the, the glimmers of hope from that or just the things that might give you a laugh. And I've, to be honest, I've done stuff on social media before and I have never had a reaction like this. Every day, my inbox, you know, and my inbox is just full of messages from people saying, thank you, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, oh, my God, none of my skills thus far matter really. I'm just, <laughs> I finally found my niche, Then I found Curator it. of wholesome content. I'm here for it. It's so, so good. If you're not following me on Instagram now, you have to. You should just... Just pure joy, absolutely oh, I, pure joy with the sharing of the reels. And I love that um, email that you forwarded from, I think it's from Lincoln, who said, um, I just wanted to say how much I'm loving this recent reposting of reels on Instagram. It's like how the fun auntie posts minion memes and reshare this for good luck posts on <laughs> Facebook, but 10 times better. <laughs> oh, there you go. I am your, I'm everyone's auntie. That's it. And I'm happy about that. Speaking of being everyone's auntie, I was, I've been watching Bluey as well lately because my brain hasn't been able to sit through a half-hour show. So I've just been watching like the rest of the series of Chopsticks or Fork, which we banged on about a while ago, mm-hmm. just a brilliant 15-minute series on regional Australian Chinese restaurants, but also yeah. Bluey, even better, seven minutes. And uh, you are, of course, <laughs> one of the feature voices in Bluey, one of the iconic Auntie Trixie voices. Yeah. Well, I'm not in that many episodes, but um, and I, it was at the point where my nephew Alfie said, "Auntie, if you're not really on Bluey, are you?" And I made him. I sat him down and I said, "Watch this episode." <laughs> As his That's punishment, me. and he loved it. He loved it. So yeah, but there's not. There's I not. I'm it. not in many. But when you hear my voice, you know. Whenever someone turns up for um to to take mum away to have a wine or, or, or go out, that's me. So I, I'd like to say 
I am typecast. Yeah, I'm here for the fun times, not the hard times. Absolutely perfectly cast. One of the other things that brought me a lot of joy this week was a great Red Hand Files newsletter. I think we've talked about this before on Bang On. Uh, Nick Cave's kind of regular newsletter. It doesn't have any rhyme or reason when it drops. Sometimes he does three in a week. Sometimes he does it once every two weeks. But he often pairs or groups questions that are like together. And this week was three questions. One was about the amazing producer Hal Wilner, who died of COVID last year. One was about the COVID vaccine and a question about whether it steals your soul. And also there was another question about uh, Nick Cave's opinion of ivermectin, which I had to Google. It's like a medicine to treat parasites, um, but some people are mm. claiming it, it helps with COVID. And his response was amazing. All the anti-vaxxers are saying that ivermectin is the drug that no one's telling you about that works because it's on the PBS, so there is no money to be made in ivermectin, you know, because it's all about the, the conspiracy theory of the, the pharmaceutical companies getting heaps of money for this and that's why we're all getting the you know it's all that so but ivermectin's on the pbs so there's no money to be made out of it and that's why they're all championing it because it plays into that idea of the pharmaceutical conspiracy do you love what What i'm learning groups have you been going on i know i love like why do you know this should i be worried no 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 i just i think it's just a really interesting time and uh, um, yeah, I've always been fascinated with all facets of life, so um, I, I kind of I've been looking into some of this. <laughs> not, in a, not, no. I'm totally I'm just you know, interested. I'm fully vaxxed. It and sounds I'm super like you're happy. doing your own research, Miv. Sounds like no, you're doing your own research. Thing. But that's the thing. They keep saying, "Do you do your research?" And I try and do my research, and and from to see things from their perspective because I think it's important to try and see things from other people's perspective sometimes. And I'm trying to do that research, and my lord, I you have to wade through hours and hours of absolute shit on the internet to get any sense out of anyone. It's all over the place. So, you know, I, I've stopped doing that. <laughs> it's, there's, not, there's not much to learn. <laughs> so back to Monique Cave's response, who had his second jab on the 26th of May. He says, I feel privileged to live in an age where our scientists are able to develop a vaccine to help combat a pandemic and to do it at such astonishing speed. Mm. It feels to me that this is a momentous time in medical history. Hear, hear. But this is where the uh, newsletter gets good. As for the prophylactic use of ivermectin, I know little about this other than the evidence for its effectiveness appears speculative. <laughs> the efficacy of the vaccine, however, is fact. And I feel I can move safely through the world with more than dog-worming pills and an inflated belief in my own immune system for protection. (laughs) Boom! Oh, I know we've talked a lot about White Lotus, but that's because everyone is talking about it. And, of course, we couldn't not talk about the finale, which went to air just a few days ago. Miff, did you watch it? Yes, I did. And just want to warn people, if they haven't seen it yet, maybe move forward in the podcast. We won't give you the exact time, but it'll be about, we'll talk about this for about five or ten minutes, I reckon. Or press pause and go and watch it. Press pause, watch the whole series and then come back for the rest of Bang On. That's doable. (laughs) That's dedication. I wouldn't do that, but you know. (laughs) Um, I did watch it and... um, Oh, wow. And I've just got to say, Murray Bartlett, uh, I, I don't normally get proud as, a, as an Australian for the country. Look, the Olympics is probably the only time really. Um, 
but when I watched his acting performance in this final episode, I am proud. I am proud. I will never look at suitcases again in the same way or their use, perhaps. Um, I'll never think of them in the same way again after his role. I say give that man <laughs> all the awards this year in awards season. He was extraordinary. His acting was incredible. I I think he just he, – he just – that line between you know, madness and – and sanity, he he played it so well. It was extraordinary. Yes, there was a lot of discussion in the group chat about his amazing performance. Also at one stage uh, my boyfriend said to me as we were watching, he's just like, it's just this could never have been any other role than an Australian. It's just so perfectly cast. It's such a perfect, mm. perfect role. But the other thing that I learned a lot from this fantastic debrief, almost like an exit interview that Mike White, who's the creator, he wrote the whole thing himself uh, and he did this great debrief in Vulture online saying Mike White accepts the criticism. That's the title of it. And mm. he actually said that Armand was the character that he identified with the most, that he kind of, you know, feels like he himself, Mike White, is in the service industry, even though he's not, that he's dancing for the man. And sometimes he's full in, he wants to be a white glove service screenwriter, do great work, but also be friendly, you know, give the suits what they want. Um, And when I feel they turn on me or I'm not respected or something bad happens, then I'm like, fuck this place! (laughs) Just like Armand does in an amazing scene in White Lotus. Um, But he also, you know, because he chose for him to die, he was the person, and we were speculating on this last week, I said that I thought Paula would die. I was way off. Um, But in this piece he said, I feel like there was something really touching about that being his last great dinner service. You know, he was saying that's the best seating ever. Um, There was just something so puny about it, but also he's a performer. There's nothing left to say. It's like there's nowhere to go from there. That's it. Finn. And it was so perfect when you think about the way that that antagonism over something so stupid, you know, a double-booked hotel Mm. room and Shane and Armand just at each other, at each other, and then the way that he dies Mm. is by this stupid accident at Shane's hand who is, you know, pretty impotent when you think about it in the way that he actually executes the things that do and don't matter in his life and that's how he dies. It's just the, the futility of it was just so perfect. Oh, so perfect. The other thing that was kind of uh, a few people have been not that okay with is the Quinn storyline. So the the son who's addicted to his phone and his games, then finding meaning, finding a connection with these Hawaiians who go out on the boat, you know, on those amazing boats every day and – he wants to, you know, he literally gets in the boat and paddles away like he sneaks off as his parents are going into, you know, the the gate of the plane and he just scoots out. And, yeah, a lot of people were like as if, as if they wouldn't just get off the plane and be like, no, you're not, you're not going to leave a 16-year-old in Hawaii to go off, you know, potentially sailing to Fiji from Hawaii. <laughs> but um, he addressed that in this great vulture piece as well, you know. He's... He sort of said that it it plays into this trope of of magical lands that that fantasy, mm. um, and that there can be transformation. But then also, he's a white guy. Like the whole interview in Vulture, he's battling with his own understanding of the fact that he is a white guy of privilege, writing mm. about colonialism in Hawaii and all of the things that go with that and the history that goes with that. 
and then this kid finding freedom and salvation with, you know, Hawaiian people in a very traditional Hawaiian activity and all the problems that are wrong with that. Like Mm. it's, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, again, I don't want to paraphrase all of this article because it makes way more sense for you to read it yourself. But he says he didn't want Quinn to land in a cynical place at the end, you know, even if it's dark for some other characters, he felt like giving him a fantasy ending. And that was really yeah. the fantastic ending of of the whole piece. Yeah. And the biggest biggest quote that stood out for me from this piece as well was Mike White saying, the point of art is to reflect something that feels true and conflicted. And he kind of touches on this through the piece that a lot of these things are uncomfortable, but you can't deny that they don't exist. Mm. I thought it was really interesting in the early days of White Lotus when I saw some commercial publications and, and networks in Australia almost frame the series as White Lotus shows that even when you go on holiday, these are the worst kinds of holiday people. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's actually about something a lot bigger than that. You mm. know, it's about power and privilege and colonialism and yeah, it's it's things that it's reflecting ourselves back on ourselves and it's really uncomfortable, but you can't say that those things don't exist. You can't just kind of make it go away and say in a perfect utopian world this doesn't exist. So yeah. Well one of the one of the criticisms is that it centers as always, and this has always been a criticism of, of white culture, is that it centers the white people. Which it does. And he Yeah. He and the interesting thing about this article is that he accepts that criticism. Um, and you don't hear that very often these days when someone says, yeah, I'm still working through that and I understand that. And then he offers uh, another view whereby he says, um, but this is, the only, this is the only perspective I can take because this is who I am. And it's interesting to see him, mm. you know, apologise for, for getting things wrong. It's interesting to see him say uh, some of these ideas aren't fully formed. You don't hear that at all anymore. You don't hear people being completely honest about their works. And, yeah, I, I think the fact that he can see it for what it is and what he's made and then he can also say, I accept the criticism that is coming my way, that's a really interesting point in culture that we find ourselves in because previously everyone would have defended their works. Yeah, it's a really nuanced piece. It's it's very worth reading the whole thing, particularly if you have been getting into White Lotus as hardcore as us. I was reading it with the soundtrack of the White Lotus um, score behind it as well, which we talked about last mm. week and I highly recommend that. A little bit of reading music pairing for you, Miff. Yeah. <laughs> bit of, like See? food and wine, reading and music. See, yeah, I don't know if I could listen to it for fun. I think it's too stressful for me, that music. Woo-hoo. It is. It did get a little. There's bits where it's like, oh, things are going well, and then the darkness comes in, <laughs> like, oh, I feel nervous again. <laughs> Welcome to Tranquillum House. The people who come here, they come to heal. I don't want to suffer. You're already suffering. If you were kind of, you know, drawn into White Lotus, you might be curious to check out Nine Perfect Strangers as well, which is a new series which is actually kicking off this weekend, Friday night, on Amazon Prime. This is another series that's been written by Leanne Moriarty. It was actually a book, again, the same as Big Little Lies, where she adapted it with Nicole Kidman starring in it and executive producing it. So it's that team again. And you might remember that this is one of the um, shows that was filmed during the pandemic, just like White Lotus, in a bubble during COVID, but this time it was last year in Byron Bay. And there are some amazing people starring in it, Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, a whole bunch more. 
Um, it's so far I've seen some mixed reviews because it's already mm. kicked off in the states. But uh, I think one of the criticisms is that the show asks you to empathise with the rich white characters in a way that <laughs> White Lotus does, didn't do. Um, it was much more of a social satire. But either way, it's streaming from tomorrow. So if you want to check it out, it's all yours. More stuff white people like on your telly. Surprise, surprise. Mm. Ties into with all that wellness culture as well that is huge at the moment and I hope in some way gives us some insight into why people end up believing certain things and taking things to a greater extent than necessary um, and mm. why that's all tied up in the wellness culture. I mean, we're seeing it right now with the anti-vax movement. Um, yeah, it's I, I hope that this TV show deals with some of that stuff. We have a few more songs left for you. Is that okay? Are you sure? Is it all right with you? Did you see the open letter that Alex Leahy... Uh, published earlier this week to yeah. Scott Morrison calling yeah. for a whole bunch more financial support from the federal government. Um, yeah. it, was a, it was a good read. It was a hard read, though. She put white text on hot pink. Not I know. sure about that one. No, I like it. It stands out. <laughs> yeah, and she just wrote it from the heart saying that musicians can't keep going on and entertainment folk can't keep going on the way it is because they can't keep planning for a future that gets dragged out from under them every time they do so because that costs money. And she also suggests, and this is something I hadn't thought of, that a lot of people who have actually been able to access the funds have been uh, the big, you know, the heads of business, say tour promoters and that kind of thing, and that money hasn't trickled down because of the fact that you don't get the money until you've completed your performance. And if you don't get to complete mm. your performance, you don't get the money. So that money is sitting elsewhere, uh, according to Alex. So, yeah, there's just so many layers of difficulty facing people who have not just chosen to be in the entertainment field, but this is their livelihood. You know, we all choose something, whether or not we like it or not. Entertainers are probably lucky that they get to maybe like it a little bit more than others because they get to commune with other people while they're doing it. But that doesn't mean it's not a job. And that doesn't yeah. mean that they can keep doing it for free. They won't. And Alex also brings up the fact that there's a whole generation of people who are going to disappear from the industry if we don't protect and support them in some way. And they've, they've been unable to access a lot of the money that's come out for them, that has been laid out for them, because they don't fit a particular niche or tick a certain box. And and that is in itself quite horrible. And that we need to set up an insurance scheme, some sort of support system, because otherwise we are going to lose a generation of of creators and really creativity is at the core of everything and it's necessary to keep this culture alive in the same way it's necessary to keep other businesses and other business streams alive. I think about that a lot and I certainly see it when we bounce back out of, you know, in Melbourne we, we are, you know, the, the fact is that we're in our sixth lockdown so we've been bouncing in and out of this state um, for, for the last year and a half and the 
you know, and, and even if you haven't been in lockdowns, just the the nature of COVID has driven a lot of businesses to to peril, to to close. And I do think about what that cha- how that changes the culture for the long term. When I walk the streets and I see that there's certain shops and storefronts and things that just haven't opened up again, I think it's less tangible for people to understand in music because it's not a bricks and mortar business, but it's still a business. It's a huge industry, and I really was glad to see that Alex was calling out particularly that Rise funding where. $6 million had been paid out, but there was around $38 million sitting untouched in bank accounts of, of promoters. Now, the, the the situation around Rise has shifted. Apparently now um, from May this year, organisations that receive funding have to pay suppliers and artists and venues up front so that even if a show is cancelled, everyone gets paid and I'm glad to see that but there's been a huge amount of funding that's handed out and I know that you know you and I Miff know a lot of people in the music industry I know a lot of people who work in the music industry not as artists but as um, people who are putting on shows in every single facet and I think it's important to remember that that when you're seeing these grants go out um, they're not necessarily going to the people that that need them all need them I'm not going to say need them the most but all need them um, and what Alex proposes here is something that's a real-world solution, you know. It's basically a living wage um, for an industry that even out of lockdown have that long tail of capacity restrictions. They can't, even if their city's not in lockdown, they can't travel interstate, they can't tour. There's no confidence to book things in advance that keep on getting pushed back. This past week I got like four different shows postponed and most of them till the very end of the year and some of them until April 2022 because artists have done that three times they're like nah I just got to really push it forward in the meantime they're they're playing albums that they made two years ago now Mm. so it's really it's really tough it's a great read from Alex it's a really as I say it's sometimes intangible but this will kind of hopefully make sense for you if you've not being involved in, you know, the the nitty-gritty of the music industry, which is, um, God, I just, I, I really worry for the culture. I really worry for our incredible culture, which has been in music, just going through this amazing golden age in the last 10 years. It's always been strong, but if you think about the kind of artists that have come out of Australia and the sort of things that we're doing and the strange and amazing and unique sounds that we're producing and the diversity of sound that we're putting out there, Let's celebrate that. Let's hold on to this and support the people who who are making this beautiful art. It's art that sustains us. It's what we talk about every week, things that mm. sustain us. Mm. You know, it's um, it's devastating to watch. Miff, when was the last time you showered? I had a shower this morning. Um Oh, good. Yes, and I brushed my teeth. I thought about not doing either of them, but, um, yeah, I've been, you know, shower once a day just because if you don't, you start to feel like things are really falling apart. That's, you know, make your bed, shower, have a shower. There's some pretty simple things to make you feel like it's still, you There's know, There's been a few times of late, though, that I've gotten to 4 p.m. without actually brushing my teeth and then I've gone, oh, too furry, got to do this. Sometimes I'm like, can I push through till after dinner? No, I disgust myself. I need to brush my teeth at 4. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, look, look, my standards have dropped significantly. Um, I don't wear any makeup anymore. I, I've I oh, no. my hair probably oh, probably a couple of times a week and I used to be an everyday hair washer. Um, uh, you know, like I, I just, why, why, why? 
Um, Saving lots of money too. It's great. That's true. That's true. But I do think, you know, washing is, being clean is something that we're brought up culturally to think is something you should do because you can. Mm. Mm. So I try. Try my best. (laughs) (laughs) Some days better than others. The reason I'm asking you though is because you sent me an amazing article from Salon about celebrity bathing habits and what begins as a mention of people like Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher and Cardi B and whether they shower their kids or not is opens up into the biggest can of worms about privileged politics, class and social media. I was not expecting to read this piece this week. No, I wasn't either, but it it, it, it seems to be a common thread amongst white privileged celebrities at the moment to announce to the world, whether it be through an interview or I imagine that's probably the only way, through an interview, that they don't feel the need to bathe their kids as much as the world has told them to. So they're not Mm. doing it once a day. They're only doing it when their kids get smelly. And it really made me think about when I was growing up and the imbalance here because you think about the underprivileged kids at school, the ones who got teased by other kids. They were the kids who didn't have love and care in their home to the extent that that they were – they were washing or bathing every day and they didn't have clean clothes. And so to me, a smelly kid has so many connotations that obviously kids of rich celebrities wouldn't get if Mm. someone said that. Like it was, you know, to be, and, and it's really sad. I mean, good on them if it's better for your skin that you don't wash off all the oils and good on them that it it builds up their immunity and all of that. But you can only do that if you're really, really privileged, you know. I mean, no one's looking at the kid that can't afford clean clothes because mum can't afford to buy washing detergent for the clothes. No one's looking at that kid and going, oh, isn't that wonderful? They're conserving their oils. It's awful. Yeah. It, it really- it's the same as that Marie Kondo kind of like, you know, declutter and only keep things that spark joy. It's like, oh, what a privilege to be able to choose from all the things that you have, what you want to keep and to live minimally. It's a total mm. point of privilege um, yeah. to, to, to throw out excess things because you've got too much stuff. Just wash your bits, really. That's all I'm going to say. They need, they need a freshen up every now and then. <laughs> not, you don't have to use soap. I'm not, I'm not bothered. That's fine. Just T- take away it- from bang on this week is give yourself a daily douche. That's what you're saying. Give yourself a daily <laughs> no, douche. No, I don't believe in douching either. That's not right. <laughs> there was, you know, you don't have to do that because that that was another thing. You know, it's like um, femme fresh and all of those things that they've tried to sell us over the years. You don't need to do that stuff. It's fine. Just give I can't it, just believe have- this is where bang on has ended up this week. I was not expecting just this. Just have a rinse. Have a rinse. I mean, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, shit, forgot about that. Always, as always. <laughs> Every week. Oh, we've look- been doing this for years. Every week. I know. I get to the end and go, oh, we've done it. That's great. And then I just forget. Um, I read a, a beautiful. This is like bang on. The bang on thing is like the footnotes at the end. It's like, oh, shit, now I've got to do the footnotes. <laughs> um, oh, I read a beautiful piece on the weekend And I can't say it was a a fun read. It's not. Again, uh, I'm recommending things that require a little bit of of inner strength at at a time that maybe you might not have it. So don't 
delve into this if, if you're feeling a bit that way. But it's a beautiful article. It's a long read. Uh, it's called What Bobby McIlvain Left Behind. It's by a writer, Jennifer Senior, and it's a tale of absolute tragedy, which is the death of, of Bobby McIlvain, who was 26 or 27 years old, who was killed in the collapse of the Twin Towers um, in, New right. York, in New York City. And it's a tale of the aftermath. Um, Jennifer knows the family. So she wrote from the position of knowing Bobby, but also of knowing the parents and the brother. And and what this piece becomes is is not just a an investigation into Bobby's life and, and how he died, of which there are no real answers. It's a really fascinating and but beautifully written, compelling and touching investigation into how we as human beings we cope with grief how we remember, so how we think about a person, our coping mechanisms and also how how people can get caught up in things like conspiracy theories because you'll find from reading the article that the father became mm. very embroiled in all of this and that has become his life's work, whereas the mum had gone the opposite way. And you hear about the girlfriend who no longer has any contact with the family and, you know, it's 20 years ago. Now, so there's probably no reason why she would, but the things that bound them and the negativities that bound them then become something else entirely when we find out that memory, our memories are all very different of a particular person. It's it's so wonderfully written and it's, yeah, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It was beautiful. Mm, that sounds amazing. Mm. All right, I'm going to read that this afternoon after we finish this. That is a great bang on. Thank you. Yeah, not easy, but, you know, I think if you want to hear about how people cope with things and we're all trying to cope in our own way with many things at the moment, um, it's it's beautiful. Mm. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a fantastic book that I experienced through audiobook and I was talking earlier about, you know, going for, for walks and listening to oh. nature. One of the other great things to do is to listen to an audio book, as you know. You're on the audio I'm, love, I'm on board with the audiobooks. I mean, this one, we're allowed to exercise for two hours a day and I was hitting the pavement with this one because it was a page turner or a keep listening to her. Um, it's a book by an author called Ruman Alam. It's called Leave Them All Behind. It's a bestseller from the last year and I can't say too much about it. I can tell you this. It's a pretty much a, a dystopian story of a family vacation interrupted by unexpected visitors and unseen disaster. And it's incredibly well written. It plays into the things that we've been talking about today in particular, class, race, privilege, where the chips fall, when shit goes down, when disaster hits, who suffers the most, who gets by okay, and how we treat each other in those moments. And it just had me walking and walking. I zipped through it in a few days. It did come down, you know, like we say, this week's been tough. Last week we were dealing with the IPCC report about what climate change is doing to us and what it's going, you know, the effects of it happening now and into the future. I was reading this book, listening to it. Well, the pandemic's on. I'm just like, what am I doing to myself? But also it is just so brilliantly written and um, I, I just loved it. I thought it was so fantastic. If you're feeling a bit anxious, maybe not the right week to listen to it or read it right now. Um, but if it, it's also got some really amazing 
subtle insights too and um and I loved it and and Ruman Alam I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Melbourne Melbourne Writers Festival which has yeah. like so many other festivals had to cancel its actual events had to cancel its events and they are doing a small handful of events as a digital Melbourne Writers Festival Ruman Alam is actually part of it so he's going to be doing a talk with Osman Faruqi um in September so if you're keen if you've read this book just a heads up that that's going to be happening and you can support the Melbourne Writers Festival and, and watch that. I know I'm going to be very keen to hear that conversation. But, yeah, cracking read. Audiobooks too. Woo! Yay! Loving them. Loving them to hit the pavement. Yeah. Love it. Great. Um, well, there we go. Another week down. <laughs> <sighs> Another day done. What month is it? August? I'm just, I don't care what month it is. Just happy 200th. <laughs> What a time to be alive in the worst possible way. But, like, really it's, you know, we're going to look back on this time and it we we will never forget, even though I can't remember what I did yesterday. (laughs) We are alive. What a privilege to be alive. That's right. right? That's right. Right. I'll see you back here next week talking shit. Excellent. Can't wait. Love (laughs) you. Love you too. Bye. on.